intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from the tundra in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Efren Guzman. My guest today, he's a stand-up comedian, Mr. Mitch Burrow. Mitch, how are you? I'm doing good. I mean, you know, I'm a little tired. Uh, you, you got me waking up earlier than I've woken up in quite some time, but uh, yeah, I'm doing all right, man. Um, how's how's the weather by you? I always ask that to everybody because mine's in Wisconsin. The weather's constantly cold, 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 man. Ooh. Well, uh, you know, the, I'm in Los Angeles, so uh, we're we're in winter time right now. Uh, so, you know, it's like yeah. it's, it's like 60, 65. Something oh jeez, like oh jeez. <laughs> so no, um, big North Face jackets for you. No Skelly caps. No Timberland boots. You know, right? Like it's just very regular yeah. wear. <laughs> nah, dog. I just told you it's winter time. So yeah, we are. <laughs> We're layered up out here in, in Los Angeles. You know, once it dips below 80, you know, we, we got to start taking care of ourselves out here. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Well, here's like in the Midwest. I don't know the thing. Like the snow doesn't let up and like the below minus degrees temperatures just keep coming down. But I don't know. I think we're going to have a hell of a summer with this winter that we've been getting. I got to be honest, man. I, I don't understand why you don't move you, you know like you don't have to stay in those places there's no laws that prevent you from leaving well the price of living is much more affordable i used to live in new york so new york from here the prices was way different i could never i would still be stuck in my tiny little apartment as over here i have a house so it's a big difference but you know that's the that's the device of it. You just got to deal with the elements here, because like the winter time, when it when it hits, it hits. You know, like you know, in, in the city, they used to have uh, blizzard warnings. They close down school for a day. You only get like an inch of snow. But then you know, it's you know, every the trains are still working, the buses are still moving. But then they close down here. Nothing closes down unless the the school buses can't come to your house to pick up your kids. So like when snow is like five five feet and whatnot, then it closes down. But I, I mean, like. How do you, how do you survive? That's that's the thing that I don't understand, man. Like when I hear people tell me they live in a place where they measure the snow in feet instead of inches, <laughs> I'm just like that. I don't understand how how people made it made it past the 1930s. You yeah, know, like, I know. I, 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 I don't. It just seems like a, such a harsh environment. Yeah, it it is. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm I'm complaining about it now. You know, don't get me wrong because the snow and whatnot. But it's just so much affordable, man. Like living in New York, like to buy a gallon of milk in New York is like six bucks. Here is only two bucks. You know, what I'm saying I, I can go on and on and tell you like the differences and whatnot. But like it's it's much calmer. You know, what I'm saying it's much calmer. Like you know, I think I've reached that age in my life where it's like I don't want the hustle and bustle. I don't want to smell piss in the subway station. You know, it's it's. It's a much peaceful way, but I understand. But the thing is, here is like if you're not self sufficient, it's 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 hard because it took me a while to adjust here. It's still taking me a while to adjust here because all the men here can like put you know fix 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 shingles on a roof. They can they can do plumbing. They can do electrician. Like everybody does their own thing. It's just so crazy though. It's just so crazy in the Midwest. Well, yeah, you, you have to yeah. because the the skilled laborers. Uh... Once they were able to make money, they they all moved away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, that's that's probably true. <laughs> how's um how's everything out for you in LA? How how's living there adjusting? Have, have you always been in LA? Like that was your home residence? No, I I grew up in Georgia. Uh, oh, okay. You, you know, I lived there till I was eighteen, and then I joined the military. I lived in Japan for a few years, and and uh, traveled a little bit with the military, and then. Uh, my last place before living in Los Angeles, I lived in Seattle for seven years, which which there, the, the weather is what made me leave, and, and that was just rain, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm such a sissy when it comes to, to bad weather, I, I just couldn't take cloud coverage, so, <laughs> you know, you, you get my respect living in a place like Wisconsin. Yeah. Ah. So, so you had. Well, Seattle is mostly known for rain. I'm not. I'm not familiar with Seattle. Is it mostly known for rain a lot? I mean, it's like cloud. It's it's just cloudy and gray. And when it does rain, it's like growing up in Georgia. We had thunderstorms. So like, I felt like the weather was passionate there. You know. Yeah. But uh, but like in Seattle, it's just a constant like mist. So the weather is just like. Nah. You know, like there's no, there's no real passion in the weather there. It's just you, you're constantly depressed and dreary. Oh man, um, Atlanta is no. It, it's well, Wisconsin in the summertime is really bug infested. Is it like that in Atlanta too? Yeah, you know, Georgia's like a real uh, uh, humid type climate. So there's a, you know, all the moisture in the air, just mosquitoes, and, and so you can't. You can't drive down the road in the summertime without having a, about a million bugs splatter on your, on the front of your car. Oh, it's that kind of place. Ugh. Ugh. I think I hate bugs. Oh, I get that here. In you walk out. There. You walk outside and during the summertime, and you're just immediately covered in your own sweat. It's it's that kind of humidity and and, and heat. Oh man. Oh man. And um, what what was your profession before? What did you do before? in the aviation industry so for quite a few years i was a helicopter mechanic and then i i worked so, so i worked on the ch-46 in the marine corps which is uh, a tandem rotor helicopter mm-hmm. then when i got out i i started working on the the v-22 which is a tilt rotor aircraft and then uh lastly i was a, a production supervisor on the Boeing 787 commercial airliner, which was just me basically making sure that the people that worked on that aircraft were clocking in on time. <laughs> oh wow, that's an impressive gig, and was it was it was it a good pay as well? Very good pay. Right? The, the money was great. The benefits yeah. were great. The retirement package would have been great, but there's just uh, yeah, I started doing stand up comedy and fell in love with it, and um, just kind of started distancing myself from from the corporate world and, and eventually just made the decision to to go full-time in the stand-up you, know, you you can only there there are certain uh hobbies that you take up that you find out you can also get paid to do and eventually it's like well why would i why would i get paid to do something that uh is is nerve-wracking and uh just you, you, you know 
know, causes anxiety when there's this other thing that I enjoy doing that I can also make money at, even if it's not as much. Yeah. So let me ask you. So let me ask you a question because you said the other job causes anxiety. Um, you don't get anxiety when you do comedy in front of people. Like you're okay with that? Yeah, man. Yeah. I, I mean, sure. Okay. When I first started out, uh, you know, you get a little nervous in the beginning, but. I've been doing this for 12 years now, so, you know, like, if I'm not going up on stage, that's that's when I'm starting to feel nervous. I'm like, why, why am I not the center of attention right now? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Um, let me take it back for a little bit. So, when you was doing the manufacturing job, how long was you there for? Like, how long was you working that job? I worked for Boeing for about eight years. Eight years? And when, uh, eight years? And when... Yeah. When did you have the epiphany, like, oh, my God, this is not what I want to do. Like, I have a good 401k. I got retirement package. I'm getting this much and this much. Like, when when did it hit you? Like, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm, three years into working for Boeing is when I, I first started to do stand-up. And I honestly, uh, the first night I, I went to an open mic, I, I, like, called my mom as soon as I got off stage. It was, like, 10 o'clock on the West Coast. And... I think like one o'clock where she lived and I, I like woke her up and, and told her that I did it. And, you know, from the moment that I first stepped off that stay, I was like, Oh, I, I got to get back up there. It took me seven years to get to the point where I felt comfortable mm -hmm. in, in that. Okay. This is, I can leave my job. But as soon as I did it, I, I started working towards that. Wow. And at the time, was are, are you single now, or was you by yourself? Yeah, you know, yeah. I've had girlfriends off and on, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm still single. It's a uh, it's it's a hard. It, it takes a special kind of woman, uh, or man, you know, whoever's <laughs> doing stand up comedy. Uh, yeah. But it takes a special person to to kind of follow someone in this kind of lifestyle and and, and be there for them and and. Uh, not at some point go why am i dating this person this like you, if if someone comes into it while you're successful it's easier to, to stick around i'm sure but during the build-up there's just so much up and down in a person's life in, in this kind of industry that uh, you know someone's really got to believe in you to, to stick around yeah well, you had to really believe in yourself to leave the security of a steady gig job, right? Like, you just, you just, you know, you was doing it also while you was working, but you knew you had something there when you was going to shows and doing stand-up? Like, like, oh, I think I could do something with this? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it gets to the point where you're, you're, you're taking time off of work to go do shows. Like, maybe you're traveling, you're headlining some clubs on the road and, and stuff like that, and... You got to use your, your sick leave or your vacation time and eventually you run out and sure, you might, you might be going from making $100,000 a year to to $20,000 a year, but you, you got to decide what means more to you, doing the thing that you're passionate about and you love or, or making money. And for me, at, at, at that at that point, I, I chose to go with the thing that I was passionate about. And how long, well, how long, I don't know if the struggle's still going on, but how long was the struggle for you once you, like, left the manufacturing job to doing comedy full-time? I left, uh, I left Boeing, uh, July of 2014. Wow. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, if any of your listeners want to send me some money, the struggle is still going on. So, it's, you know, I, I have I have some good months where I'm booking some great shows, I'm getting paid well, and then I have some other months where, I'm, you know, I'm not doing much. I'm just, I'm in L.A. and I'm just trying to grind it out. Yeah, and you're, uh, yeah, you're definitely at the heart of it, L.A., too. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I, the, the goal is to get on TV. Yeah, build up a fan base and and just be able to tour the country doing stand up comedy. But uh, you know, right right now I'm I'm just you know I, I get like some stuff through the internet. Some people see me, you know, building up a little fan base there. But you know, I'm still still working on it. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, how is how is your material like? Or like, um, do you? Have like you you do like a fifteen minute set, twenty minute set, and like um, what's basically your forte? You know, I'm I'm from Georgia. Uh, I grew up kind of a a conservative blue collar type person. You know, a bunch of military family, and yeah, uh, I was military myself, and and then started out doing comedy in in Seattle, Washington, very liberal kind of area, so. You know, there's there's a, a blue collar perspective coming from a person who's been surrounded by uh, white collar liberals for the last you know ten fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I'm woke. You know, like yeah. I, I get it. So it, it's I, I get to talk to people on on both sides. I, I, I talk about my personal experiences. Uh, you know, I, I got a, I got a sister that's. A Trump voting, Chick Fil A loving lesbian that works for the NSA, you know. So yeah. it's wow. it's just I I have good experiences that have uh, led me to just be able to talk about things that I th- I think can make people laugh. Oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> oh man, so like um it it it's like a lot of comedians do like you incorporate your life into your material right that's that's pretty much the most part i don't know about all comedians that do that but the majority of them like they you incorporate your life into your material right yeah i mean look i'm not really <laughs> i'm not out here being uh observational you know i'm not i'm not telling people the crazy stuff about airplane food <laughs> uh, i'm I'm living my life and experiencing things and, and then sh- sharing those ridiculous moments with people. You know, it's not necessarily storytelling, but there's definitely an aspect of of my personal life in in every joke that I tell. Yeah. Do 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 um your family get upset that you tell like personal stuff or are they really they they don't care or No man, my family's supportive. Yeah. Uh you know my my grandparents raised me uh, not too long ago. They got to come out and see me in in Alabama when I was performing there. Uh, they, they they drove out from Georgia to, to come see me do a set, so that was that was great. My my mom's been out a few times to see me perform. You know, still, still waiting on my dad, yeah. but you know how dads are. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. But no, nah, I got I got a good supportive family, man. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, and and um, is it ama- is it amazing being in I guess L.A. and that's you know besides New York, the comedian centrals of the world. Um, you know, meeting all types of um people with the same drive and passion that you have. How is that like seeing other people who are doing what you're doing? It's good, man. Uh, it's a it's a it's a strong community. Uh, we 
you know, we stick together. There was a thing that I was missing when I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, and that was a, a camaraderie, mm-hmm. a brotherhood, you know, and and honestly, uh, moved into civilian life, I just never found that. And then once I really got into stand-up, I, I think there's a, it's a, just a certain lifestyle that we live that, that brings us a little bit closer together, whether it's hanging out in the green rooms or, or being on the road together the things like, like people just come a little bit closer and and i, I, I found that again mm, all right so it's like you know everybody it's 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 like the brotherhood of the marines it's like the brotherhood of the comics everybody's going through the struggle everybody's you know trying trying to get their stuff together their materials together right like you're all in the grind as well yeah exactly uh, and um also like doing doing your material like um there's a lot of you know, I talked to other comedians in the past, and a lot of comedians usually, well, not usually, I don't want to put everybody in a bubble, but a lot of, the most of them that I talk to have a lot of dark sides, and they put it into comedy. Do you have a dark side as well? Uh, I, I mean, what are we talking about a dark side here? Have I ever killed anybody? Well, quite frankly, that's none of your business. People have to do what they have to do sometimes. Uh... Nah, I don't. I don't know what like a dark side. Um, are we talking about depression? Well, like, like I, I guess it, it falls in the realm of depression, abuse. Um, uh, you know the, that that type of realm. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, you know part part of it is you're you know when you bring that joy to people when you're on stage making people laugh that that gives you some kind of fulfillment and, and joy as well. So I think, yeah, most of us to a certain extent kind of desire something, but I, I personally don't buy into the sad clown thing. Uh, you know, when things are going good, I, I'm probably happier than I've ever been when, I, when I'm doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, Look, you never know who might be listening to this. Maybe there's a, a, a hot chick out there that, that's into me. I don't want them thinking I'm some depressed asshole. <laughs> so, nah, I'm perfectly fine. There ain't nothing wrong with me, dog. Okay. <laughs> um... Yeah, you know, I'm not, like I said, I didn't generalize. I said not all. Like the ones, like some of the ones that I've talked to, I noticed that you know they had like dark sides, and then it's almost like an outlet to let out as well. So I wasn't saying you per se. I'm just saying like what you know, what's your motivation? You know, so yeah, for me, man, like uh, yeah, of course, there's there's been uh, some some low times and some some dark times. Comedy definitely kind of kind of helps me you know, stay, stay positive and, and motivated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Mitch, um, have you, um, dealt with hecklers? And if you do, if, if you did, how do you deal with them? You gotta shut them down. I mean, it, it happens uh, occasionally. Uh, you know, there's a comedian named Steve Hofstetter who has, uh, made quite an impact online with his videos of, uh, comedian destroys hecklers and uh what i think is so funny is that he has so many videos that people start commenting on him and claiming that uh the hecklers are plants that he puts in the crowd and 
to be completely honest with you, as a stand-up comedian, if you go out every night and you recorded every set that you performed, you'd have twice as many videos as Steve Hofstetter. But so we have to deal with it every single night, whether it's obnoxious women at a bachelorette party or some drunk dude that thinks he's funnier than the comedian. Like, it just happens every night, it seems. Uh, and, you know, there's different things that you can do. You can just be like, you can ignore them. You can go after them. You know, you, I, I personally like to have fun. You know, if someone yells something out, I'll, I'll, I'll go at them a little bit uh, and just, you know, reassure them as to the reason why I have the microphone and, and they don't. Uh, you, you can't go too hard. There's definitely in my early days, you know, you, you say something mean and, and then all of, the, all of a sudden the audience, for some reason, is on the side of the heckler at this point. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that you didn't have to be that mean to them. So there's a balance to how you shut down the heckler, but also still entertain and, and keep the crowd enjoying it. Gotcha. Um, who went to, who, what comedians were your favorite? Who inspired you? Do you have any particular comedians in mind? Obviously. I, I mean, I, I think like a lot of people, Bill Burr is uh, one of my favorite comedians uh patrice o'neill yeah yeah uh he was uh he was just the best man like he would go at subjects that i think most people wouldn't even uh, attempt to to talk about and he and and, and he could just get anyone to to laugh and and be on his side mm -hmm. uh and then uh uh yeah, man, Jim Norton. He was, he was just so so open and, and honest and uh, a pervert, you know. Like just to hear him talk, it yeah. made people laugh. I, I, you just kind of started feeling like, oh, well, if, if Jim Norton can talk like that, then you know, I, I feel pretty comfortable telling people about my life. Yeah. Oh, so those are like those are your like your biggest influences, those guys. Yeah, you know a lot of those New York guys. Uh, I listened to Opie and Anthony on the radio a lot uh, back in the early two thousands. So I just it kind of those guys. I was hearing them all the time, so it just kind of stuck to me that that style and that sense of humor. Mm. So you like that. Crash, like crass, braggadocious type style, right? Like that that New York swag, I like to say, right? That like that style where it's like up front type. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Ah, uh, that's awesome. Um, have you been to the city? Have you been to New York to perform? Or? I've been to New York twice. Uh, I've I've performed at uh, some smaller venues, never anything big like Caroline's or the Cellar or anything like that. But but yeah, I, I've been up to New York. I, you know, I'm a I'm a comic, so I have a very I have a very romantic feeling about New York. Getting on those subways, like walking <laughs> to the venues and stuff, it's, it's such a a cool feeling. Uh, but also, you know, New York is uh, it, it's extreme when it comes to the wintertime there too, man. So when, <laughs> when it came to picking where I was going to move when I left Seattle, uh, Los Angeles won, won the battle. Wow. 
And what's the only thing you have to deal there? Like earthquakes and traffic, right? Pretty much. I've never felt an earthquake here. Really? Traffic sucks, but I'm a stand-up comedian, so I don't go to work until 8 o'clock at night. I don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it in the morning. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Um, out of the, all the crowds you played in, like the crowds you played in, which which crowd really is like the most raunchiest? Like, in the, 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 like the New York crowd, the L.A. crowd, Seattle? Like, which crowd is like in your face, I guess? Man. Just some of those Midwestern towns, like <laughs> really, <laughs> you, you get out to like Bozeman, Montana, or or uh, Rochester, Minnesota. Like, just these people who you know you think would just be the sweetest kind of quiet people. You, you start telling some dirty jokes in there, and they just go, they go crazy, man. They love it. <laughs> Uh, speaking in the Midwest, we don't have that much stuff. So, like, when something like that comes to town, like everybody's all in. Like, oh yeah, you know, let's 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 go. You know, like nearly yeah, man. Yeah, because you, you, you have people coming to the shows and be like, oh, I saw you on YouTube, <laughs> and then I'm just like, well, yeah, I man, you know, you could get on YouTube as well. You know, like it's <laughs> it's funny what they get impressed by. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the little things. It's the little things, as they say. Yeah, man. Well, look, I, I grew up on a dirt road in, in Georgia in a very rural area. I, I get it, man. You you, you live in a, a place where, you, you know, you're not surrounded by the hustle and bustle of of the city. You know, you know you, it's, for one thing, you, you look at people who live in the city and you're like, how can you live like that? It's... I remember I, I grew up, my nearest neighbor was, you know, about half a mile down the road. Yeah. So to now be living in, a, in an apartment complex, with, I'm in an apartment with four other dudes, and then the next house over is an arm length away. I, like, it's extremely crowded. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, when when you live out in the, in these rural areas and, and all this, like, you, you get this guy coming to you from the city, there is like a, it's almost like a, a zoo animal. Got brought to to check out. <laughs> That's a good way of preparing it. <laughs> oh man, because it, you know what it is is like I said, is that is that that much things that they get, and then when you get something, it's like whoa, it's a big deal. New York, you have a, a an abundance of that, so it's just like okay, next, you know, like living there, like you'll see Chris Rock walking down the street. Okay, it's Chris Rock. Okay, there's Joel Osteen going to. <laughs> There's Joel Osteen going to the Today Show. Okay. And then it's like, you become numb to it, I think, once you live there. But if you're coming there on vacation, you're like, whoa, Chris Rock is going to the store. There's Joel Osteen. What's he doing over here? So you get over, I think, somebody from the Midwest going to, like, the city will get so overwhelmed. They will get, get so overwhelmed. Yeah, man. I had a friend visiting me, and uh, she was hanging out at the comedy store. We There's a patio bar outside, you know. And I just, uh, I was I was working, so I... I I came outside and I was like, "Hey, you you want to come inside and check out the show for a little bit?" She was like, "Yeah." So I bring her in, I sit her down, and then immediately Joe Rogan goes on stage. And afterwards, she was like, "Oh my god, I can't, I can't believe I was in there!" And Joe Rogan just <laughs> gets on stage and that was insane. And I, it it took me a second to kind of understand because I see Joe Rogan three or four nights a week. You know, like it's. It's become the norm. Yeah, yeah. For me, so it, you know, it it did. It was nice to have that friend who's who's not from here come in and, and then tell me how 
how lucky I am to to see that on a on a nearly nightly basis. Yeah, yeah. You see, like you see the outside perspective because you see it all the time. So it really doesn't phase you as much now. But when somebody else who goes into your like your ton, your, you know, your domain sees what you deal with all the time. Like, wow, you know, you're blessed. You know, you're doing this, and you have Joe Rogan performing here. Like, you know, you're you're doing your thing. You know, you're following your dream. You're happy. You know, so in a way, it confirms. Yeah, yeah it confirms. You know, what you're doing. Like w- whether it's whether it's seeing Joe Rogan on a nightly basis or homeless people pissing on the side of the road. You know, like I take for granted what I have here in Los Angeles. So it's nice for people to come and tell me how unusual some of these things are <laughs> yeah yeah that's true but, but then you know i get when i used to live in new york i'll get people that visit me from the mid when i was living in new york people who visit me from the midwest they're like well i don't know how you do it i don't know how you go up and down the steps i don't know how you take the train and and seeing homeless piss and rats and i don't know how you do it you know it's just like <laughs> you know you just do it that's just how you live you know just like you know you have to drive 20 minutes to go to the grocery store in the midwest or whatnot that's you know you just deal with the elements you just that's just what you do you know yeah i mean you, you become so accustomed to it you don't even realize it's yeah, you don't realize it's you're doing weird. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, going going back to comedy, um, where do you see yourself, let's say, four years from now? Mm, uh, well, hopefully I, I have a, a late night spot, whether it's Conan or, or The Tonight Show or something like that. Uh, I'd like a Netflix special at, at some point in that time. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, maybe a uh, a regular TV gig where I'm either hosting a show or uh, you know maybe I'm I'm acting on on so I, you know I'd like to host a game show. I've I've done a little bit of stuff with the Game Show Network here and there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the, you know, just the next the next step in my career, I guess. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, in comedy, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, like, from, like, they transition to comedy, to film, or, or comedy, to, like, like you said, hosting a show. Is that something, like, like is that something you're open to the possibility of as well? Like, once you're doing comedy, like, you're open to doing, venturing out of comedy and doing, like, roles? I'm not open to it. I'm hoping for it. Oh, you're hoping it, for you know, it? Like, yeah, okay. Because, honestly, man, America is such a celebrity-obsessed culture that, it doesn't matter what I'm doing unless I get some sort of fame. You're not really selling out shows on the road. So I, I need to get on a sitcom. I need to have a, a a game show or a talk show or something to where I'm on television and people are watching that. And then, and then they're going, oh, I want to go out and watch him perform when he comes to to the city, you know, to, to our town. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite food? I mean, I th- you know, just pizza just pops to mind. <laughs> <Every> <laughs> New York, you had a New York pizza before, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Oh, uh, but, you, you know, I think it's so silly that for people to argue about pizza that there's no bad pizza, you know? Like, uh, New York style, Chicago, deep dish, uh, you know, even, even in L.A., we got good pizza out here. Uh, it's just that food that you can't mess up. Although I did see a video of like the worst pizza ever made, and yeah, the, the dude did did bad. I think it was like in Honduras or something. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing, uh, but 
but in America, we've pretty much figured it out. Yeah, I don't know, man, because I live in I, I I live in Wisconsin now, and the pizza out here is not the same as New York. Like, there's there's one spot that I found that's a brick oven pizza spot that's pretty good, that's pretty close to a New York pizza, but. The pizza they do out here is so different, man. Like the crust is like a cracker crust. It's like you know those premium crackers. It's not even. It's not even crunchy. It's like soft and gooey. And like Chicago style is okay, but you only can eat one because there's more sauce than anything and bread. Oh yeah. God. Yeah, man. It's like a pie. Yeah. A pie. Oh my God. So uh, good. You know what I suggest you do is you, you just uh, forget about that New York pizza. Just, <laughs> just try and. Erase that from your mind. Oh, my and God. Then, uh, and then order Papa John's. <laughs> or Domino's, right? At Pizza Hut, yeah. <laughs> All right. You know what? You got to draw the line somewhere, okay? And uh, I think that line is at Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> Domino's pizza was so bad, bro. They were telling you in the commercials. They were like, hey, you remember how our pizza sucks? Well, we're trying to make it better now. Like, the... <laughs> That's not a good advertising campaign, regardless of how true it is. I don't even think of it like that. Oh, shit, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. I say, you know, you can't really, you can't go wrong, though, with the DiGiorno's. I don't know if you're a fan of the DiGiorno's. They're pretty good, too. Yeah, man. It was one of the, it's, it's also inspiring. It was one of the first sketches I ever did. I think you can find it on the internet somewhere. It's, uh... Football and pizza, I think, is what we called it. Um, Yeah, you know, it's just unbelievable that that could be uh, not delivery, which (laughs) I I don't know if people have had a lot of delivery. I've never been blown away by delivery anyway. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this pizza that's been sitting in somebody's car for a half hour. Delicious. (laughs) Oh man, so so pizza is your go-to thing, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, dude. I'm not the I'm not the best chef myself, so I tend to order out a lot. And, yeah. And uh, certain things like Postmates and things like that are kind of expensive. So, you know, when Papa John's is offering you that that free delivery, you got to take it. <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm going back to comedy. Um, is there? Um, like right now, like you have a lot of other, um, I guess coworkers or co-comedians, I would say in, in the grind with you, um, do you guys bond a lot? Like, like with material, like, do you compare notes or you just, you just do your own thing and then you just talk regular stuff? Like, do you like, you know, it, 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 it goes, uh, every, every way just depending on who you're around. I mean, I, I I'm at the comedy store. In Los Angeles, which is, you know, probably the most famous comedy club in, in the world. Yeah. And there are people who I work with there who I will get off the stage and immediately they'll be like, hey, man, what about this right here? What about this tag? What? I think if you if you said something like this in that joke, it would get a big laugh. Uh, and, and, you know, they're also open and, and receptive to, to that as well. And then there's yeah. other people who you're like, hey, man, I got an idea. And they're like, I think I got it figured out. Thanks. I, I don't uh, need that. Uh, Personally, okay. I, I like collaboration. Yeah. I love I love telling someone a, a tag, and then and then the next day I, I see them doing it and throwing throwing my tag in there, and, and it gets a big laugh, you know. And yeah. and then also if someone 
says something to me and it it opens your mind up to another perspective on the joke that you wrote so not only will you get a tag and and you know hopefully it works but also now you're thinking about the joke from other perspectives as well mm-hmm. so you can come up with more tags and be more creative with it mm. Mitch do you have like a like a model you go by like a favorite quote or fav- or, or a model that you go by yeah I mean it it's a little more than that but uh there's a guy named uh, Alan Watts um he was a uh, philosopher, and uh, there's a video on, on YouTube, uh, What If Money Was No Object, uh, by Alan Watts. And he just basically talks about how, what would you do to make yourself happy if money wasn't necessary? And then he kind of guides you through this thing of how when you find the thing that you love, do that, become great at it. And eventually people will pay you money for doing it, mm. but don't start out. Cause, cause if you live a life doing something that you hate so that you can live, you're not living a life that you love, you know, live a life doing things that you love. And then you'll find money. Eventually, and if you don't, it, you're really not gonna care because you're happy. Gotcha. And uh, my final question for you, Mitch, is what would the Mitch of today tell the Mitch of yesterday? Don't pay attention to Alan Moore. Uh, <laughs> money is very important, and we got we got to get we got to get that money. He <laughs> would say, "No money, no honey." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this 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 struggle is real. <laughs> uh, Mitch, uh, thank you so much. Um, um, plug your social media. Plug any upcoming events that you have coming up. It's all Mitch Burrow, M I T C H B U R R O W. So, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or or you're sending me money on Venmo, that that's how you do it. M I T C H B U R R O W. Mitch, thank you so much, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.